0: You are listening to a White Ridge Baptist Church sermon podcast. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here, and uh, I hope this morning that you've already enjoyed the uh, scientific experiments that we had here. I was so thankful that that fourth one worked, and we could see that air is powerful, that it can crush stuff. I've always enjoyed seeing those kind of experiments And uh, air is one of those things. It's hugely powerful. It can crush stuff, but it can also build things up. And one of the things we're probably most familiar with it building up as far as having fun with it are balloons. And I remember as a kid, I just loved a balloon. And just by adding this little elastic to it, you can all of a sudden have this great toy that hits you in the head and you can hit back. Like, this is just a fantastic thing to invent and to allow people to enjoy So Josh had said, for those of you who are up front here, that there is a kind of a gift for you afterwards. And I'll tell you how you can get this partway through the service, okay? But this is one of the favorite toys I had as a kid. Another toy, though, that I thought of that I really enjoyed, and and mine looked different. Mine had a different shape than this, but have you ever seen these things before? Mine was like a Bobo doll. It was just like a big gourd-looking thing, and you hit it, and it comes up. This one, this one's a little bit different. You have to kind of weigh it down a little bit, but look at that. Pops right back up. I can hit this thing as often as I want. This is the Hulk there. That's the Hulk. This is the Avengers. I can just pop it. Eh, not so fast now. See, so look at that. Look! He got scared! Duck wins! So, anyways... It usually does pop back up. And you know, the reason it can do that is because it's filled with something. When I first took this out of the box, it looked very much like this. Nothing to it. It can't do anything. It's dead. And it's sort of like us in life. How are we supposed to stand up against opposition in our own strength? We can't do it. We're not meant to do it on our own we need to be filled and the Bible tells us that the filling comes from the gift of the Holy Spirit when we ask Christ into our life he fills us and then throughout our lives we are supposed to regularly daily hourly ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can stand and that's what we're gonna be talking about today as we look at Ephesians 6 if you have your Bibles I'll ask you to turn to Ephesians 6 right now and uh, and while you're doing that and throughout this message I just want you to ask yourself how am I, or how often am I, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me? Am I asking Him into my life? And another question I'm going to have for you, which is a sillier question. I was just thinking about it when I bought this thing. If these are the good guys and I'm punching them, what does that make me? Why do we have good guys that we punch? I don't know that. That was just a silly thought. So, anyway, turn your Bibles and please stand with me, and we're going to read Ephesians 6. Verses 10 to 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Please be seated. The first word uh, we hear in this text is finally. Um, It refers back to what Paul has been talking about in the last chapter, which has a lot to do with how are we to have healthy relationships in our marriages, and with our parenting, in the workplace. Um, I heard two weeks ago when Pastor Terry was preaching on marriage, someone stood up at the end and said, "Uh, Pastor Terry, isn't that a little kind of far-fetched? Is that even possible to live a marriage like that, to have something like that? And the answer is that is the ideal that God places that when he's in control, this is what things look like. But often for us, when we're honest, Christ isn't in control. We allow our own sins to get in the way. But Paul today says there's something beyond your own personal sin that causes trouble. There's opposition. There are people, there are spiritual beings who intentionally put their focus on making sure that... They beat you down so that you don't honor God. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about what spiritual warfare looks like and how Paul says we can be ready to stand. Paul says that there are two things that we need to be aware of. We need to be strong, first of all, in the Lord, and we need to stand together. So be strong, be strong together and then stand together. So why do we need to be strong? Very simply put, because we're in a battle. We might not always be aware of it, but there is one. And Paul wants us to make sure that we're thinking about this more and more because this is a reality that we face every day. Paul's already told us that in Ephesians that there are enemies of the Lord. There are false teachers who know how to tell lies so convincingly that they sound like truth. So there are human people who say, I want you to, I don't want you to follow the Lord. I want to bring you away from Him. But now he's telling us that there's also spiritual beings. And let me just read those verses again, verses 11 and 12. So it says, Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do we really believe that? Do we believe that every day that there are beings who are fighting against us because they don't want to see God glorified in our lives? There's very inter- various interpretations of what those different phrases mean about these spiritual beings. But however that interpretation comes, whatever people want to tell you about, about there being a hierarchy of angels or spiritual beings, the main point is that Satan and his demons are real. And demons are fallen angels. These are the creatures who have disobeyed God, and God said... You're out of my presence. You're out of my presence and there's a future for you of damnation in front of you. And uh, they're actively fighting against God until that time comes where he says forever they are going to be cast into hell. Because hell was made for the demons, not for humans. The devil is very strategic. He's wise. He knows us and he knows how he can beat us down. Ephesians 6, 26 to 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. This verse says, There is a time to be angry, but when you're angry, be careful because you might sin. When we have high emotions, we tend to do things that are unwise. We tend to do things that take us away from what God would want us to do. And so they're saying, When you have those kind of emotions, be careful that you don't go too far. Be careful that before you go to bed, those things are dealt with. You've given them to the Lord because if not, Satan will get a foothold and he knows how to get you thinking thoughts that aren't Christ-like. So be careful that you don't give him a foothold. The spiritual beings here in in chapter 6 very much parallels what we heard at the beginning of Ephesians where it talks about that God has prepared for us every spiritual blessing— Blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There are spiritual beings who don't want us to access, to live in the spiritual blessings that God has given us. That is their whole aim. That is their whole purpose in being. And that's why we need to be strong. And we need to be strong in the Lord. That's the question. How can we be strong? If this is who I am without God... What do I need to do? And the answer is, I need to find my strength in God. I need to rely on him for everything. Paul doesn't leave us guessing about what it means to find power in God. If you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1, I just want you to see chapters, verses 18 to 21. So turn to Ephesians 1. And I'm just going to read to you 18 to 21. This is, when you wonder, what is power? This is what Paul is talking about, power. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. When Paul's talking about power, he is talking about the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Satan has no comparison to that. In this world, in this life, we're doomed if we don't have Christ. Satan will beat us every time. But Christ is far above There is nothing that threatens God. Satan is not a threat to God. There is not a battle between him and God that God has any concern about. That has already been decided. The war is over. But the battle is for those of us who are called by his name. And we need to continually rely on Christ and his power to help us stand. And that's what we need to do. The Holman Christian Standard Bible in verse 13 of chapter 6 says, that is why you must take up the full armor of God. You must take it up. Does that sound optional to you? Does that sound passive to you? This is something we need to do. And if we're not doing it, we're not obeying God and we're not ready to stand together. This is something that God wants us to be very mindful of, that he wants us to stand. So the question is, how are we daily preparing ourselves to stand? What are we doing each morning when we wake up? What are we doing in the middle of our work day? What are we doing just before we go to bed that helps us remember that we're in a battle and that we need to stand? And remember that this isn't meant that we stand alone, but that we stand together. How do we do that? Well, I hope we rely on prayer. I really hope that that's one of the first things that comes to mind is that we rely on Prayer. And that's a very important thing for us to talk about, and Pastor Terry is going to be focusing his message on that next Sunday, that we need to be people of continuous prayer, praying for one another. But Paul here says there's more than prayer. There's also putting on this armor. We need to put on this armor regularly and live in it. And Paul uses the imagery of a soldier. In the handout that you have in in the notes today, if you look at it, there's a picture of a, a Roman soldier there. And this is the imagery Paul uses. Uh, I believe he was, a, he was in jail. Uh, Paul had a lot of time to spend with Roman soldiers. I don't doubt for a moment that his thought life was probably a guy who looked similar to that. These were the kind of equipment he was thinking of. But I also know that these, this equipment, this armor, is also seen throughout the Old Testament. That the imagery is not just something that he would have seen in day-to-day life. He knew his Bible. He knew his Old Testament. And, and the righteousness of God as a shield is talked about. Hope of salvation is talked about as a helmet. Those are all imageries that come from the Old Testament as well. But Paul gives us this image, I I think, to help us remember a little bit better and also to give clarity to to what's the meaning behind this. This is what we need to be concerned about. So we have to wear armor, but what is the armor for? And that's what we're going to focus our attention on today. And and kids, uh, if you can tell me at the end of the service, you can tell your parents, this. if you can say, what are the pieces of armor? There's six of them. And what are they for? That's what you, you need to tell Josh, or let Josh know that you've said to your parents, so that you get one of those balloons. And I'm going to help you remember throughout the service. Okay? There's six pieces of armor, and what do they do? What are they for? Well, one of the things that we need to talk about before we go further is that this armor. Sometimes when we think of this, we think about attacking. That this is about going forward and 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 having war by attacking. But Paul is saying, no, this is about our being defending, taking our ground and standing defense. And that's the reason that he's telling us we need this armor. There's our times to advance, but this is a time to stand. And the first piece of armor that he says you need to put on is a belt of truth. And the belt of truth had a very important role. It was the first thing a soldier would put on because their tunic, their clothes were loose. They had to put this belt on to make sure that everything was tight around them so that the rest of the armor could fit on smoothly. And so what we need to know is that as Christians the first thing that we need to be sure of is that we are encompassed with truth. That we surround ourselves with hearing the truth and living in the truth. That we intentionally put that on there's a song by Casting Crowns called The Voice of Truth. I have loved that song so often that it's helped me. When my thought at life has been going astray and I have thoughts about myself that aren't healthy or thoughts towards others that aren't, And all of a sudden I hear this. But the voice of truth tells a different story, right? The voice of truth listens to God and obey him. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. We need to be people who have truth around us and we live in that truth. There's a a saying that I remember as a kid, and it was uh, no truth, uh, no no Jesus, no truth, no Jesus, no truth, right? Truth is found in Jesus. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, that if you want to find truth, it's in Jesus. It's not just objective. There's objective truth, but that objective truth is in a person, It's in Jesus Christ. And we need to know those things intellectually, but we have to have it lived in our heart. We have to have relationship with the truth. It takes courage to put on the belt. If you're not ready to see yourself as God sees you, it can be a terrifying thing to put on this belt. In the end, it's hugely encouraging, but at first... When I see that belt and I put it on and I start seeing myself as God sees me, I see my weaknesses. I I see my failures. I see my sins. But in the grace of God, He only shows me those things in truth so that He can show me who He is and what He's done so that those things no longer define me. So that now I am defined by His character, by His qualities, and I am someone grounded in Him. So the truth is very hard to, we need to be people who say, I'm willing to see reality. Lord, help me to see myself as I really am so that I can give whatever is an honoring to you and that you can infuse me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that we all have strength to put on the belt of truth. And when you put that belt on, one of the ways you know you have the belt on is that God starts developing us a spirit of humility because we realize that there's nothing that we have to be proud of in ourselves that's one of the ways you're knowing you're wearing this belt is you're becoming more humble that we as a church are becoming more humble so the question I want to ask you right now is how is the battle going do you ever wonder if you're part of the battle do you ever wonder if our church is in that battle because maybe we don't experience it all the time and one of the starting questions is is, well how much then are we girding ourselves with truth Am I living in that truth? Because when that truth goes on, the battle's ready to start. I'm starting to be prepared for the battle. So ask yourself, how is a spiritual battle going? The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. A soldier's breastplate would protect his vital organs, protect his heart from the enemy's attack. And this breastplate of righteousness at- uh, protects our hearts from the attacks of the enemy our heart is very important the scripture says that we need to guard it because from our heart is the wellspring of life and paul says protect that with the breastplate of righteousness and here we need to remember we need to know that righteousness is not earned by good works there is nothing that you can do to earn righteousness this passage is not saying put on the breastplate of righteousness go out and do good works that's not what this passage is saying in this context it's saying you put on the righteousness of christ now that righteousness will lead to good works it will show in good works but good works are a fruit of righteousness they do not produce righteousness and that righteousness is grounded in jesus christ ephesians 1 verse 4 says he jesus chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight So he chose us to be righteous, and it's in his sight. I can tell you there are times where my neighbors will tell you that I'm not righteous, where friends who know me will say I'm not righteous in the moment, and I'm not because I sin and I fail, but in the sight of God I am righteous. You know why? Because when he looks at me, he sees his son. And when I fail, I can confess that to the Lord, say, Lord, I wasn't living in the strength you give me in Jesus Christ through your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for that. And he says, Doug, I have. You, you're forgiven in Christ. You live in that constant state of forgiveness. In my sight, you're always righteous. You sin, but my righteousness is what scholars would say. It's imputed on you. It's given to you from me. You have my righteousness. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says this, But you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. I think I take that to mean that as we are light, that light has an impact on the world around it. Light doesn't have to move around all over the place. Light just stays and it shines. And if we're truthing in love, we talked about that in Ephesians 4, if we're sharing the truth in love through our lives, through our words, through our actions, it exudes out and nothing can stop truth's power. Darkness is not stronger than light. You see that in movies all the time. Dark kind of comes in on the light doesn't happen if there's a light it stays strong if it's grounded in jesus jesus cannot be overcome and uh, so our righteousness is very important for testimony to the world and it's important for us to stand firm satan and his evil companions can't stand light and they can't stand against it if we want to be firm we need to live in the righteousness of god the third piece of armor are the sandals of peace says and with and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace the the job of these sandals is to stabilize us It's to help us keep our ground these aren't the running shoes to run out and go on a go on the attack this is these ones help us stand our ground they're like the shoes that have like the soccer studs on them and you can't be moved or your golfing shoes something better than that because they don't work for me well um anyways uh, this is where we keep our stand and so what is the gospel of peace here here peace is not talking about tranquility it's not talking about a state of your mind it's talking about what christ accomplished by taking the hostility away between the jews and the gentiles we talked about this in ephesians 4 there was hostility between the jews and the gentiles and christ came to bring those who were far away and bring those who were near and to make them into a new people A new people called by His name that are Christians that are saved in Him. That's what peace is. That there's no hostility between us and God, and there's no hostility between us and each other. When we have that peace, then we can stand strong. Ephesians 2 verse 14 says, For He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Again, this helps us remember that this passage is not written to us individually. When I read my Bible, it's hard to remember that it's not just me. Put on this, put on this, talking about me. This is talking about the church. That we as a church have to be putting on these shoes. That we as a church have to demonstrate that there is no hostility in Christ Jesus. The walls, the barriers are broken down. Every time we have communion, that is what we're saying is that in Christ we are one together. There is no hostility between us. And when we have that sort of a testimony, the devil can't stand against it. He can't push that down. And that's hugely important for us to know, that we are not lone soldiers, that we stand together. The fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When you look at the picture on your sheet, you see that this is a large piece of equipment. It was often door-shaped, maybe four feet high, three feet wide. It wouldn't be easy to carry around, but it was essential to have in order to protect yourself. And Paul is saying you need to have this shield, and it's a shield of faith. Today, we have these weapons of mass destruction, right, that, that can take away, like, like our world could be destroyed time and time again by the w- pounds of weapons we have, but Paul here, when he talks about fiery arrows, he's not saying like for us that might sound almost kind of cute because they're kind of you, know, you don't. See, but like this is the one of the worst weapons that he could know of or think of are these fiery arrows and he says you need this shield of faith because there's fiery arrows there are weapons that can kill you that are aimed at you or that are coming your way and if you don't have this shield you have no way to extinguish them you have no way to block them so then what are these fiery arrows paul doesn't state that specifically but I think we can safely say that it's any temptation that comes our way, anything that threatens our identity in Christ or tempts us to live away from Christ. When I hear the word fiery, I think it's probably anything that is likely to stir up lustful desires in us, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. So a question for you if you're wondering what does an arrow look like, what causes you to lust? What causes you to get your mind off of love and on to lust? Broadly speaking for me, throughout my life, I can see that one of the things of lust is pleasure. I like pleasure. And it's easy to put my focus on pleasure and say, I want, to, I want to feel good rather than I want to have my joy in the Lord. So what is it that flames your lust? That's an arrow that you need to be mindful of so that when you see it coming, your shield of faith comes up and says, no, I'm not going to be hit by that one. Another thing that Satan will shoot at us, another fiery arrow will be our doubts about who God is. Because God has said who he is very clearly in Scripture. And Satan, right from the beginning, had Eve question the character of God. Do you think God really wants you to do that? Satan often wants us to question the goodness of God. At least for me, that's been a key one. Is always God, are you really good? Yeah, in a big sense. But what about just me? Are you good to me? So another question, another arrow that you could find out what's an arrow say, what is it that I regularly doubt about God? Do I doubt his mercy? Do I doubt his faithfulness? What is that? And that will be another arrow. And you need to be ready to stand against that. Well, Paul says that these arrows aren't just sitting in a quiver. They're actually being shot at us. They're being shot at you. And we need to know how to protect ourselves from that. And again, that's the shield of faith. Faith is one of the most crucial words in the Bible. And faith refers to a few different things. One thing, of course, is the objective truth of Scripture. Faith is, I have faith in this. I believe that what the Bible has said is true. But faith is believing plus trust. Faith is saying, I trust Jesus. I trust Jesus and I obey him. And Jesus has told me that I can stand against you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, But God is faithful. When you are tempted, you haven't been tempted beyond the point of endurance. And when you're tempted, God can provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So when a fiery arrow comes, I can say, Lord, I know that you in your strength, I can extinguish that with the, field, with the shield of faith. I have the ability to do that. Sometimes, though, I just feel like throwing in the towel. I just don't want to do it. Uh, That's a terminology from boxing. Some of you might have... You've probably used it before, right? I just feel like throwing in the towel. I just want to give up, right? And uh, the interesting thing about that saying is, at least when I've used it, I use it for myself. I I just feel like throwing in the towel. But when you think about boxing, the boxer never has the chance to say that. It's the coach who has the towel. And it's the coach who decides when that towel is going to be thrown in. And so... For us, we are the boxers and God is our coach and he's not going to throw in the towel. He's not going to put you into a fight where in his strength you cannot overcome it. That's a promise of scripture. I might not feel that way, but if I understand the truth, if I have that belt around my waist, I know it's true. That in this, Christ wants me to be an overcomer. He wants us to stand. That's for us as individually and that's for us as a church. We can stand against anything that Satan will send our way when we are grounded in God and when we have the shield of faith. When we trust God, we have all that we need to stand our ground. Okay, we're on to the fifth piece of armor. And I'm just going to ask the kids, have you, have you been keeping track? If, you, if you've lost track, and I'm assuming you might have, start refreshing your mind by looking at this picture because uh, it won't be long and you'll have a chance to, to let Josh know that you know what the six pieces of armor are. The fifth one is the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet is protective gear. Uh, for us, for the most part, I think we use it for entertainment. Like It's usually... Like, we, we don't have to use it for anything serious. I don't enjoy helmets. The only time I put a helmet on joyfully is when I went skydiving. I thought, I think I need this. Next time I think I put it on joyfully is when Barry asked me to go racing with him in his car. And that, that was good to have on there. I used to go rollerblading close to the university along the river. And I didn't wear a helmet. I had the guards on my hand, but I didn't have a helmet. I should have. And wouldn't you know it? A loving family from our church almost always drove by, it seemed. Jim and Wendy Leggett, it. And they say, Wear a helmet. So I have a helmet. Now I have a helmet for my bike because it's important to protect the noggin. And uh, it's really hugely important when we're in a spiritual battle to know that our mind is secure, that we have the helmet of salvation on, the hope of our salvation. Our salvation is what gives us assurance and is what gives us confidence when we face the battle. Uh, again, recreationally, when you put that helmet on, you feel you can do more things than you normally would do wisely. Like you would say, oh, you know. But in Christ, it's only wise to put this helmet on to say, in this battle, now I have confidence. You know why? Because I know this is only a battle. I know this isn't the whole thing. This is a battle. There's a war that Christ has already won. He's already victorious. I'm already with him in the heavenlies. As far as he's concerned, when, when my life is over, when I die, I'm secure in Christ. My body might die, things can happen to me in this life, but in Christ, I am already secure. I already have eternity in front of me. I already have Christ within me. And so it gives us assurance, it gives us optimism that this battle isn't it, because we can lose sight of that. Do you ever, get, do you ever lose sight of reality because you get stuck in a moment and you're just like, this is never going to end. I just, oh, you know, You just lose track of time and you're just overburdened. And then you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and everything's different again. The, 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 self, the helmet helps us get through those moments when we want to give up. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says this, And walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to the Lord. The helmet of salvation helps us to remember the vast love that God has for us. It also reminds us that love, that God's love for us does not mean that there's not sacrifices that we're going to be making and that our life might physically not be on the line at that time for the cause of Christ. And around the world we hear about that, don't we? Brothers and sisters in Christ who are actually dying for their faith, who are persecuted for their faith. How can you live in a situation like that unless you have the hope of your salvation and you're wearing the helmet? The sixth piece of armor is the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the only offensive weapon that's mentioned in this list before we get into talking about prayer. You know what, if we take the Bible away from our lives and the truth that we learn from it, we just remain infants. We can't mature in our faith. That again is the danger that Paul spoke of in Ephesians 4, is don't be infants that can be easily tossed here and there because you're not familiar with God's word, with his truth. We need to have God's word. Uh, It needs to be familiar to us. We need to be immersed in it and learning it. Ephesians one verse three says, "And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation." The reason the sword is an offensive weapon, uh, or offensive weapon, is because when truth is spoken and people hear it, they can give their lives to Christ. They can hear truth and say, "There's a way out of this darkness." It's also something that reminds us that we're in the light and that we have the help of Jesus at all times. So the question would be, how do I use a sword? What does it actually look like for me to use a sword? Because this is just imagery. What does it look like for me in day-to-day life to use it? The picture that comes to mind for me would be Jesus when he's tempted in Matthew 8. The devil comes to him three different times and says uh, three things that sound like truth but are lies. And he tempts Jesus. And all of the time, Jesus says, here's what the Bible says. He quotes three times from the Old Testament scriptures to refute Satan. Um, so we need to know the truth, and we need to speak the truth. I just want to uh, give you this one word of encouragement about, about spiritual warfare. Sometimes we give demons and spirits uh, abilities that the Bible doesn't tell us they have. So if you're, want, if you're feeling oppressed and you're trying to say, Satan, get away from me, that's something that I'd say you can't do in your head. We need to speak truth out loud. We don't know for sure. The Bible hasn't said that they can, Satan can read our mind. I don't think he can. And so we need to be able to speak truth out loud. And there's no, there's no power in your voice. The power is in the word. The power is in what's spoken. And so you might think that sounds weird because it, how often do we do that? But I want to encourage you in your prayer life when you talk to God and you're alone, at times talk out loud. And if you're feeling oppressed and you're feeling that you need to, to tell Satan to flee in the name of Christ, say it out loud. And if you wonder why that feels weird to you, then you have to ask yourself, well, Yeah, why does that feel weird to me? And let the belt of truth come around you to say, what is it that I really believe about these evil forces? Are they real? Or do I just, do I not really believe that? Um, I just want to encourage you with that. So these are the final thoughts. First of all, for a review, I want you guys to help me out. I've said there's six pieces of armor. So I'm just going to say what they are. I'm going to say the the first one was the the belt of truth. Okay, so I'm going to do the breastplate of... The, oh you guys are better than me, the sandals of what? The shield of? The helmet of? The sword of? Very good, that's very good. Now if we can remember to put that on together, we're an unstoppable force, we're a force that can stand our ground against whatever Satan will have for us as a church, and, and that's hugely important to remember. The last picture I want to leave with you before we have time to uh, have our baptism with Mac, is see this picture on your, on your page here? There's all these soldiers with their shields like this, and they're covered from the front, from the side, from the back. The Roman shield was designed to be used cooperatively. It was designed that when they went to battle, they were like a turtle. It's called the tortoise formation, and they're protected from all sides. This shield was not meant for one person to use alone. They were meant to be put together. So the question for us then is, how are we using our shields? You know, the only time we're really in danger is if we run away from something because then our back is exposed, right? And when we're not with the help of other believers. So there's two questions at the bottom of that sheet. It says, is your back in danger? Are you turning away from the spiritual battle that you are in as a soldier of Christ? And are you trying to fight alone? Those are questions we need to be asking ourselves and we need to surround ourselves with fellow believers that we protect one another and in the name of Jesus, glorify him. Today, is going to be baptized in a little bit and uh, that is a stance. That is a point in his life that he's always going to look back and remember at this day, I, I was saved before, but at this day, I declared publicly that my life belongs to Jesus, that I want to be part of the fellowship of believers and together we can stand. It's our responsibility to support him in standing. And he has that desire to help us as well. So with that, I'm going to ask uh, Kevin to come up and we'll change gears.